This is episode 61 of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. All the way from Mystic, Connecticut, <laughs> welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. everyone and welcome. I'm your host Mary Larson. My name's Blake. And you know, I don't know if I'm the world's biggest loser <laughs> or the world's biggest nerd or the world's most awesome person. I'm going to vote for that one. The most awesome person? Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and I say all that because we are on vacation and we have a mobile setup here and we are podcasting on our vacation. And uh, it just shows you how much we actually really love you guys. Because. How much we love you guys, how much we love Outlander. I mean, we just, we can't get away from it, and that's a good thing. No, no, it can't, cannot get away from it. And uh, what's most important is that we're here together with no kids. Woohoo! No kids is a really good thing. <laughs> just, it's, my whole body has just relaxed. All I need is more booze. If I oh, have more God. booze, I'll be happier. All right, I'll see if I can find you some whiskey. Well... <laughs> We want to finally uh, get into this week's listener feedback. We apologize for the incredible delay, but as Blake said, we were on vacation. Our kids were crazy this week. Oh, my God. Teething insanity. So we were like, we need a weekend away. So um, this is our last plea. Today is the last day for the podcast awards. And uh, just head on over to podcastawards.com and vote. Um, we'll see. We'll see what the results are. I'm just, I'm, I'm tickled pink that we were able to be nominated and we just want to thank you guys so much. I know that we've talked about it so much. So this is the last time you will ever hear about it until next year. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. So, um, it's time to jump into the listener feedback for episode 209. Can you say it? Have you learned how to say it yet? What? The the title for episode oh, 209? I, I, listen, we all know that I don't speak other languages very well. <laughs> you, wa you want to try it? You try it first. Je suis prêt. Oh, I like that. You like that? That's very nice. See, I'm awesome. Okay. Let's do it. So we want to let you know um, that this is going to be a slightly abbreviated episode of Listener Feedback. And we took uh, the best of the best. And even though uh, it is slightly abbreviated, we also aren't going to be able to do the voicemails uh, because we are in a mobile setup. And we don't have the technology here um, in our hotel room <laughs> to, to get the voicemails in. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to have a 2.9.3 episode, <laughs> which is just voicemail. So it will be coming because we really, really want to thank you all for sending in those voicemails. So even though you'll be listening to it after you've already seen 210, uh, we still want to make sure that those, those voices get heard. So it's a little bit shorter, but don't you fret. Once again, we're doing this remotely. So the first piece of feedback we have to give to is to the Outlander cast official seer. So, you know, the old, the old fox had his seer. Right. Who saw the future. Okay. We have our own seer, Marissa Bitmanis. Oh, my God. I love Marissa. 
She's amazing. Tell me more about her. Marissa, of course, is a non-book reader. Yes, she is. And she was the one who came up with the fantastic, unbelievable, you know, it was so good. It was so good. I'm just going to play it again. Bam! Just like that. A winner! She came up with that amazing outlandish theory of the week, and she called the whole entire scene with the Compt and Master Raymond and how the Compt would be uh, persecuted by the king and how he would eventually probably die. And she called it like three weeks or two or three weeks earlier than the episode. And I was totally impressed by her. She, she just brought it. What do you got? What, is she, what does Marissa say today? Marissa said, I have a feeling that the entire final episode is going to be in the future. And perhaps the moment when she goes back through the stones will be at the very end of the penultimate episode. Wow. Ooh, very interesting. So that that is a great theory. Um, it totally goes against Blake's idea that the future will be under 17 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and we've got a lot of votes online, whether it's Facebook or Twitter. Oh, my with God. people saying, everyone. I don't think I've seen one person say it's going to be under 17, aside from you, my dad. No, no. Everybody is taking the over on that one. Mm-hmm. So if this was Vegas, <laughs> I'd be winning a lot of money if I were right. I will say this, though. I really like uh, Marissa's idea because, you know, the, at the end of the penultimate episode, uh, would have Claire going back through the stones. My idea, however, is a little bit different in that I think the final scene should be Claire touching the stones. The final scene of the finale should be Claire touching the stones. Very that way. interesting. And the reason why I say that is because it would rhyme with the beginning of the season. You know, you see Claire, the first shot is her waking up. And the last shot should be her touching the stones. Mm-hmm. And it represents, in my opinion... The whole idea of time and uh, the loop of time and how you know, no matter what, no matter what Claire does, the same thing is going to end up happening. Yeah. No matter how much she tries to change the future, this, it just happens. The, it's, you, can, you can maybe divert it a little bit or maybe the things that you do are the result of what happens in the future, but no matter what, you still touch the stones really and you interesting. still go through i would love that i would love if, if the final scene was her touching it on our website florida rose wrote in the only issue that florida had with this episode was the lack of intimacy between mm-hmm. claire and jamie but that is an issue i have with the show since the devil's mark now florida writes that she's not looking for gratuitous sex scenes but she believes that the audience needs to see that part of their relation that part of their relationship is still strong so far we have had so few examples of it this season on a final note florida hopes that the show finale will be more than 17 minutes <laughs> of the future without dropping spoilers. She considers the future sections of the book have a lot of revelations and plot points that she believes are key to this story, especially now that we're going to have two more seasons. And Florida writes that she doesn't think that can, that can be effectively done in less than 17 minutes unless the writers include some of those plot points in other future episodes. Mm-hmm. Florida says she's going out on a limb and is going to predict that the finale will dedicate a full hour to the future and may include future stuff that's not even in the book. So, Florida, I love this. And, you know, I talked about earlier in my the, the my bad of the GBG for this week's episode was the lack of love scenes. So I hear you. And I... I I was thinking about it, and maybe Claire conceived the baby during uh, that one fade to black, or maybe she conceived the baby that we all know she's going to be pregnant with because we saw it in the future mm-hmm. with with Frank. Maybe she conceived at Lolly Rock. Um, we're going to get some sex. We all know it. We're going to get some sex in the next couple of episodes at some point because it has to leave on that note with with Jamie and Claire at some point. Well, did they? I'm not sure if they have enough time for it. 
Think about that. I mean, think they have to get to a battle. They have to deal with the aftermath of, of the battle. Then they have to put Jamie in a place where clearly something goes awry, right? Yep. You know, um, and then that, and then, when are they going to have the time to do all this? What I would like at least is some more love. Whether it, not that not that it needs to be sex, but just some more touching. They did a pretty good job of it this episode with the hand holding and the little kiss and this and that. I need more of that. But you're right. We're in the middle of war. Right. It's not like they're going to drop trow right on the battlefield and, 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 you know, succumb to their animal instincts. Well, I think they're going to at least have one more sex. But I think, I think you're right, though, in that we need more warmth mm-hmm. from them. We need uh, more hand-holding. We need more little glances. We need more wry smiles. We need um, that subtext of intimacy. Mm-hmm. Because then you can at least infer that they are being intimate off camera. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't that be better for those two characters? Because I always feel like that the the main thing that they always fall back upon is that intimacy. And since we aren't able or aren't privy to their intimacy, I mean, how could they be intimate when, you know, uh, Jamie has, has gone through what he has gone through and he has the PTSD regarding that. And now Claire is even suffering from PTSD because of her war experiences, you know, it's understandable for Mm -hmm. them to not uh, have uh, uh, relations or, you know, be intimate with each other because they're both suffering. But is it okay with you? Would it be okay with you if they insinuated warmth and insinuated intimacy but just left it off camera? Yes. Yeah. It would right now just because, once again, we've only had 13 hours for this entire season. These books are ginormous. Mm-hmm. And I know it's important, but it's one of the many pillars that this relationship is founded on. Sure, is yeah. the intimacy. So we've got a war to deal with, guys. A little bit of warmth could go a long way. And we're just going to have to use our imaginations, mm-hmm. I guess, because they only have 13 hours. If we could have had 16 hours, we would have seen more. We had a page right in on the website saying, I really enjoy, uh, actually on the email, not on the website. <laughs> she wrote in saying, I really enjoyed this episode because it depicted the character of Jamie as he is in the book. Strong, confident, intelligent, and a leader. The TV series has not always shown Jamie to be this type of person, but as a person who is a bit weaker and less confident. Being that Claire is a, such a strong and confident person, she would need Jamie to be a similar person in order for her to fall in love with him. So uh, she just wanted to kind of delve into that. And here's what I'd say, Paige. I think that Jamie and Claire fell in love when Jamie was stronger and more confident. And they had, they've had they had some pretty good time together. And, of course, then they dealt with his sexual assault. And because the way the, this show was structured time-wise, we needed to focus on his PTSD. And then now we had to focus on Claire's, um, you know, devastating loss of faith. So... It's tough. I'm glad we got to see Jamie now this way. I mm-hmm. wish we got to see more of him. But once again, we've only had 13 hours. And there was a huge time issue with Jamie pretty much going to France right after being sexually assaulted. Well, I would say that what's most important is it's making Jamie a real character. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, it's making him a real person. He can't be good at everything. He can't be confident completely 100% of the time. You cannot go through that sexual assault. 
that he underwent, that he was subjected to, that he was tortured by. And then the next day, or two weeks later, or whatever, and then just show up and be like, yeah, okay, I'm Red Jamie. You, you just, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and they even allude to that. Even when he is stronger later on in these episodes, they show his hand. I think it was last episode. Maybe maybe it was this episode. I'm not sure, but it, it was one of the episodes where they're looking at his hand. They have a close-up, and you see the scars on his fingers. And I always felt like that was a beautiful shot. Yeah. Because as much as we were happy to be back in Scotland, you also had this reminder of, yeah, we're back in Scotland, but guess what happened back here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jamie is still suffering a little bit. It, n- not, not just physically but emotionally as well so he he has to fail sometimes he has to not be perfect all the time and that's okay yes christine wrote in that her kilt rating was a 4.8 because she adored this episode she laughed cried and laughed again it was Mm -hmm. the outlander that she has come to know and love but on the book claire versus tv claire discussion yep christine says i don't think this is a fair question we have tried to separate the mediums of book and television We have been asked to put the books down, and we try to assess the two mediums based on their own merit and value. I just don't think it's a fair question. Based on the different writers, they are put in different circumstances. They face different challenges, but they both still love Jamie and have earned Jamie's love. I embrace Claire's strength in both the books and television. I embrace her frailties in both the book and television. In either case, she... She engenders my respect. I may question some of her actions, but in the end, I still respect her and her strength as a woman. In the end, I embrace the relationship that Jamie have. I embrace the love and respect that they have for one another. What is more important in a loving relationship? Again, where are the tissues? <laughs> yeah, I... Jeez. Oh, you know, I, I, I still think that the TV Claire versus book Claire is a legitimate discussion, although I do concede the point that not only have, you know, Outlander and everything have asked you to put the books down, but we have asked you to put the books down. I I think that is essential uh, in this entire endeavor uh, when watching Outlander because it has to be judged by its own merit. Where the conversation is still valid is that you can compare the differences between between TV Claire and Book Claire and understand which you like better because it is still the Outlander verse. You know, they are different and separate entities, but they are still viable for comparison. And as much as I, you know, I have no idea what Book Claire is like, I will tell you that TV Claire has been a little rough. Uh she has been a little uh hard to support because of some of the decisions that she's made. But I feel like a lot of that has changed since um, since Faith because you understand her plight. And when you see her come back through those stones in the first scene of 201, you understand her anger. And I'm sure there's even more to come uh, that would help, uh, you know, pr- promote and... Uh, prop up that anger. Kirsty Wilson on Facebook wrote in just rewatched episode 209 when the American GI finds Claire 
lying in the ditch and is asked about her welfare, the last shot of him is is actually in Jamie's voice saying Mon Yu Don, which once again I do not sing it very well. <laughs> this is why just, the series you know Yeah, there just add that. Just <laughs> seriously guys, I can't I can't speak. <laughs> this is why the series is so worth reviewing again and again and again. You always catch something new and I hear you. I loved that. I loved that it kinda like faded into Jamie's voice and that's how Claire was snapped out of it. Such a cool thing and I'm glad you caught that Kirsty. Mm-hmm. Janet Reynolds wrote, We're back on track after a very dubious episode eight. Phew, four kilts. Because I'm getting really tired of not seeing any sex rates, Janet. I know, I know. I know that Jamie had PTSD and France was complicated and they had the trauma of the baby. But in the book, they were having some sex by now. Indeed, it's one of the ways they regularly reconnect and stay in touch. And I think it's just weird it's missing this season. No more fives until something happens here. <laughs> now, hey, well, hey, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, Janet, Janet, of course, is one of our blog writers on the Outlander Cast blog. Yep. She's also a member of the Outlander Cast clan gathering in Facebook, which is the Facebook group that you have to be in, guys. It's, it's Seriously, it's one of the biggest places that we pull comments from for the listener feedback. We have great discussions. Janet is a hoot and a holler, and uh, she is she's putting her foot down. I love this. No more fives. No more fives <laughs> until there's some nookie. All right. Listen. Oh, okay. This now uh, begs the question. Okay. This begs the question. Ha- I, we, we've already discussed the necessity of sex and how it's a pillar of their relationship, and, and I'm willing to admit that. But the problem is, is that again, we don't have enough time. So my question to you is, has Outlander, and especially has Stars, have they done a disservice to the story? And have they done a, a disservice to the writers by only allowing 13 hours to be told of Outlander? You know, I mean, like, we were thrust into France. We were thrust with all these new characters. And so far, except for Fergus, nothing has come out of it. Well, the Bonnie Prince. Well, yeah, but you didn't need to be in France to understand the Bonnie Prince. Okay, you did. No, I don't, think, I don't think you did. I don't think you did because you could have been talking through a proxy. You know, you could have, you could have, you could have been meeting with other people. The Bonnie Prince should have been kind of like this shadowy figure where you're not quite sure who to trust. I'm just gonna say this: you have to have some patience and you have to appreciate France because there were things that w- those were chapters that had to happen in the lives of these people. And I know that you've vented it about it before, so we're not going to delve into <laughs> no, it. No, no, we're not. France happened. France may not have been everyone's cup of tea, okay? I did not enjoy France too much in the book. I'll be, I'll be straight with you. I've said that before, and I'll say it again. It was a long time in France. It was gorgeous. It was amazing. I loved the people. But did we need them? Some yes, some no. I agree with you, And okay? that's why I'm saying, did they do it us... Did they do us, the viewers, a disservice because they thrust all these characters on us? It comes down yet, to money. But yet, well, yeah, but yet, yet, the things where the, where we are now in Scotland is actually makes a difference, mm-hmm. and we are finally back to the characters that we love. You know, it, it's not a coincidence that when uh, the the first uh, episode in Scotland happened, everybody said, "Oh, we're." Finally, back to the Outlander that we know and love. 
And uh, I, I just wonder, I mean, yeah, the money thing. I, I think it's, that it's the money. These books are ginormous. There's so much plot that needs to happen. And you can't just go from nothing to here's, here's Scotland. I really feel like we needed, we needed to try and exhaust all options before doing this. Mm-hmm. You needed to feel that pain. It's, it's almost like in Harry Potter. When, <laughs> oh, wait, when hold it, on. You're a wizard, Harry. When they're spending so much time in that darn tent. Okay, even in the book, you're like, God, we get it. Hermione and, and Harry are camping. We get it. They're they're just searching. They're they're trying. You need to see and you need to feel that Jamie and Claire, honest to God, exhausted all options of trying to fr- change the future and trying to change the fact that Collada was going to happen or not. Mm-hmm. We needed to feel that. We need to be like. Jeez, Jesus H. Rouge about Christ. They, they've tried everything, you know, and they had to also go through the pain and they had to grow as a couple in different ways. So, you know, I hear you. I blame, if anything, that making a show like this is just way too darn expensive. But to that end, I'm glad it's a show, not a movie. Yeah, because it could be a lot worse and it could be a movie. It literally could have been like a two and a half hour movie. And then we all would have been like, what? What happened? <laughs> okay. Kirsten Lang wrote on Facebook, Blake Larson started watching Battlestar Galactica thanks to you mentioning it in your podcast and online. So say we all. Hi-oh. It kind of passed by them here in the UK, Kirsten writes. And she also says, I'm thoroughly enjoying watching it as I work away in my Wii studio here in the (laughs) Highlands of Scotland. So thanks for making me a fan. Kirsten, I want to know, what kind of Wii studio are you in? What are you working on? Right. What do you do? Let's send us a message. I'm just so happy that I'm able to spread the BSG love. That's amazing. Which brings me to my next question is if if you guys still want Mary and I to do the one-off, one-hour live episode of OutlanderCast dedicated to just Battlestar Galactica. And I got to tell you, Mary has some great ideas about oh Battlestar Galactica. Ron Moore better be glad we didn't have a full out podcast about BSG because as much as I loved it, I had some issues, particularly with the fact that they were in the same clothes for years on end <laughs> and the clothes never looked frayed. Come on! Oh, or like, or, <laughs> or how did they get new clothes? Or, for example, when they were like packing up to move, where the F did they get boxes? <laughs> or labels. And labels. There's no staples ship next door. Where did Lee get his suit? Lead. Seriously. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Where did they get the, the, the baby gear? Anyway, nonetheless, glad to have the <laughs> That was pack. one of the things that she was saying. Where did they get the pack and play? <laughs> Seriously, where's the pack and play store? You're in outer space, nonetheless. <laughs> Katie Seelinger on Facebook said, just finished Je suis Pue, and yet again... Bear McCreary, thank you, continues <laughs> to emotionally slay me in every episode. As they marched, I heard the Skyboat song echoed, but in a way that sounded traditional and steadfast and yet haunting. Since we, the viewers, know what is to come, it gives an ear to their hearts, which made me feel instantly connected to and perspective of this group of the Highlanders we hadn't yet seen. Just as he did for me with BSG... So say we all. So say we all. Beat you to it. Bear's (laughs) powerful scoring has left me with moments where I have been so drawn into how he tells the story that I missed bits of the spoken dialogue. It was flawless. And you know, Katie, I know that in Ron Moore's podcast, you recently talked about how Bear, it was either he or Matt Roberts who talked about how Bear really kind of like adds this extra layer and dimension. And I love it. I love it. They were they were talking a lot about the chorus action mm-hmm. in this this episode with the, with when you'd see the men marching and stuff. It was this chorus, and you almost felt like it was those men singing. You know, you got to feel their pain and their 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 fear and their pride all in once, and that really was added 
things to bear. Yeah, you know, I also have maintained, and I've said it before, that Bear has been the most consistent part of Outlander so far. Every single episode, he kills it. You know, there's not that one Twilight moment like he had in BSG where you're like, oh, come on. Like, that was not a good choice, Bear. He, everything he has done has just brought it. And I got to say, what what you've what the what the uh, what, what the listener mentioned was this whole idea of being connected to those men and my love you also said this too where you feel like it was th- even them singing uh, even though it wasn't but it felt like it was them but there's a bunch of log carriers that's all they are and if they're a bunch of log carriers you don't care about them but because bear is so good at what he does. She, he does provide that connection for you. This little ragtag bunch of guys with, <laughs> with, you know, like rakes and pitchforks, and they're just walking along in the beautiful landscapes of Scotland. You, even though you have no idea what their names are, you have no idea what their families are, what they're doing with their lives, you actually care about the log carriers, and that is the beauty of Bear McCreary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't get any better than that. With, again... There is no Outlander without Bam McCreary. I would be devastated if he left the project. In fact, I would even argue that I might even stop watching oh, Outlander. Oh, stop it. No, 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 it's true. He's not going anywhere, so don't worry yourself. Oh, no, no, I know, I know he's not, but you know, he's, he's starting to become big time here, you know, doing all these, all the movies for Hollywood and everything. You know, it would, it would be heartbreaking if he left. And I don't think I don't think I would watch. He won't. Don't you worry. I don't think he will. I don't. And I'm I'm fear mongering here for no reason. Ruth Plowman on Facebook said I, uh, that she's already dreading the next Droughtlander. She's <laughs> hoping that we're planning some good podcast for the interim to keep the clan from getting too thirsty. Well, I will say, uh, Ruth, that we do have uh, some episodes planned for Outlander cast. Uh, we, we we will always. As always, have the great interviews uh, each and every month. I think we'll probably do one episode per month during Droughtlander. You know, we'll uh, actually. I just confirmed with Allison Keen; she'll be coming back uh, to do a season two wrap up with us after the season ends. But we also have some plans for other stuff too. So, you know, for you nerds out there, if you hear this song. If you're out on the road, dun, 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 yeah, just let it ride. And so. You know, for you nerds out there, that is the theme song to the Gilmore Girls, and we are doing another Gilmore Girls. Uh, well, we are doing a Gilmore Girls podcast uh, for when the next season comes out on Netflix. I think there isn't a, a release date yet, but I think it's coming out in the fall. And if it does come out in the fall, you can expect us uh, to be doing that. Uh, we we had announced this on on social media uh, a bunch of months ago, but if you guys hadn't catched it, we are doing a Gilmore Girls podcast. It will be called. You have been Gilmore. Yeah. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, we are hopefully going to do the BSG podcast too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have some other shows and ideas that are coming up uh, as well. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm, just gonna I'm, put I'm this not out. comfortable to announce those. That's okay. Yet. And the other thing is too, guys, you can have a say in what we podcast about yes. if we reach some of our upcoming Patreon goals. Yes. So Patreon is actually a way that you can help support us. We do this as a free podcast. And um, honest to God, it would... Just 
make us so happy. If hmm. you are able to donate a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, heck, if you think like a coffee amount per month, um, you can help make it possible because uh, this is, it, you know, it's it, it costs us some money. We joke a lot about how we like pay for babysitters <laughs> to <Yeah>. come <laughs> and watch our kids. And we want to podcast more. We want to podcast about more Outlander. We want to podcast about more different shows. So if you head on over to Patreon. Yeah, actually, if you, if, actually, if you just go to OutlanderCast.com and click on the support button, mm-hmm. you'll see a big button that has that says Patreon right there. And if you if we get enough uh, money to do uh, our next goal, which would be. You, we will literally podcast about whatever you guys want. Yes. We, we will create an entirely new show, and we'll do it. And God, can you imagine if we could get so much money that this could be our full-time job? I would die. I know I would be would. so happy. I know. You know, another thing that we're actually be doing in the Droughtlander is uh, our other podcast called uh, The Living Reminders, which is actually dedicated to the leftovers on HBO. And for those of you guys who uh, ever watched that show, Lost... We have to go back, Kate. All, all of you know that I'm a huge Lost nerd, and actually the guy that created and show ran Lost uh, is the showrunner for The Leftovers. Mm-hmm. So basically he's like the Ron Moore of The Leftovers, and his name is Damon Lindelof. We actually had a chance to interview him. He was amazing. Uh, and uh, it, like I actually had to take drugs <laughs> to, to, to speak Not to him. Not real drugs, but No, no, like, I had to take like Zoloft, you know, <laughs> just so I could like relax, you know, give me, give me like a... Uh, what's it called? <laughs> a Valium. What? <laughs> it was calming stuff that I found at Whole Foods. You're what fine. Else? What else? Make me sound like Master Raymond, and I'm not. <laughs> well, we just want to thank Emily Peterson, Audrey Carr, Christine Metzgar, and Laura Roche for being recent patrons up on Patreon for the month of May. That's right. Thank you guys so much. You literally helped pay for our babysitter yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's that's the scoop shira rose on facebook said shouldn't claire tell jamie about this kind of fighting how it's insane how it doesn't work like tell him about the american revolution or something that would give them a tactical advantage now shira excellent question i talked about in the last episode how i hate this stand on the line warfare and ron moore's podcast gave some great insight about this kind of tactic tactics during war and actually in the american revolution it wasn't all guerrilla style Mm -hmm. it was a nice hybrid it was stand up in a line and shoot (laughs) and guerrilla yeah and it it, you know the thing with with this modern kind of warfare with muskets is that's the game changer we got to see these these people the the wonderful little scottish guys come in with their pitchforks bless their hearts Mm -hmm. and they're going against cannonballs they're going against muskets you have to be close for that hand-to-hand combat. Right. So as we got to see the McKenzie guys coming down, running down the countryside, and their kilts with the paint all over them, screaming with the man boobs, as you got to say, <laughs> that wouldn't work if there was a line of English soldiers shooting their muskets. Right. And that and that's what it was. I guess I guess they would stand in a line because the muskets really didn't have great accuracy back in the day. But if you had a line of guys and you all shot straight forward, you knew there was a, going to be this line of dead death pellets. Yeah, it's just a, it's just a wave of yeah. bullets. That's all it is. So, they needed to learn how to fight in that way and Jamie knew knew a lot of these modern war tactics. I think they should have done a hybrid as well, Shira, kind of like how we did in the American Revolution, but also remember that Claire came from a totally different war. Right. And she was taught very 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 different tactics and this is an interesting time and oh gosh, it, I just I just don't know. What I can tell you about that fighting scene is that I learned from Ron mm-hmm. is that when the guys came down in the, the kilts, mm-hmm. screaming, acting crazy, that actually the Highlanders, proper times, would have come down naked. 
Stop because it. Because the kilts would have actually prohibited them from running so freely. And in <laughs> their opinion, you know, here are the cute little red coats. Like, oh my goodness, look at me. I'm, I'm all dressed up and I've got my musket. Here I am with my biscuit and my tea. And and down come these crazy looking naked Highlanders with pitchforks. The Highlanders thought that this is how they used to fight people. And they thought, you know, if I come down running like a naked person, I'm going to look so effing crazy that people are just going to be like, I don't want to fight this guy. I'm going to run away. It, not only would be the man boobs flopping around, but we'd, we'd be talking about all the thing. man parts. Everything. <laughs> everything would be flopping around. There's, there's no chance. I'd be... If that were me, I'd be like, I'd be worried. I'd, yep. I'd be worried about the John Wayne Bobbitt treatment. Oh my gosh, it's because you're not Scottish. See, me, I would totally do it. I, if this would give me an edge to to freaking scare someone, <laughs> I would run naked, screaming and hollering, and holding my pitchfork high, just thinking I'd scare someone away. <laughs> well, I totally would. This also comes from the girl that, that streaked in college. <laughs> Only once. It was like a pa- rite of passage. Listen, people do it at URI. There's like no chance thing. I would have streaked. I already did. Whatevs. Man boobs, girl boobs. Real boobs. Whatever we need to do to scare the British, I would have done it. <laughs> Get off my land. Get off, now, now you're a 60-year-old man. Get off my land, you redcoats. <laughs> now I'll, you're I'll from the South, I'll run naked. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anna, Mayana, Mayana, I can't say the same. Get Lana. off my lawn. Sorry, I'm Sorry. like trying to be my, my, I don't even know. See, I can't speak in different accents right now. <laughs> Anna says that her good was the Lord John William Gray and the TV Claire initiating the rape threat. She liked it better than the book. Because we've talked about how that was very different. Uh, her bad was the in- introduction of a weak Dougal in Claire's PTSD storyline. She actually found it distracting and unnecessary. Really? We left Lollybrock too early for this, she wrote. And her great was Rupert Angus. She's mad about Willie. And thumbs up for preparing the viewers for the ugliness of the warfare to come. So a heads up about Willie. The character, the, the actor who was Willie, chose actually not to come back for some reason or another. Yep. And that is why they had to write off the storyline that well, Willie got married. I think he was married. working on another project. He might have been. Whatever. Which is so sad because we all loved Willie. I just love how they played it. Oh, my gosh. You uh, you thought he was dead. Yeah. You thought he was dead and come to find <laughs> out he was just married. He went and got, got himself married. <laughs> on Twitter, Diane from New Jersey writes, 20th century most definitely over 17 minutes in episode 213. Mm-hmm. Could be a combination of flash forward scenes, not just one at the end. Mm. Shaman Yugblood writes, Blake. Jamie is the perfect man. Even his imperfections are perfect. Don't be jealous. Instead, aspire to be. All right, Shaman. All all right. You know what? You can't tell me that the man's imperfections are perfect. I don't know. That that in and of itself, that like that that's a total (laughs) like contradiction. Laura Sue VT says the good was Jamie becoming a leader. Bad was Blake thinking he's too good of a leader. Oh, people are hating on you, Blake. And the great, oh, get this, Blake admitting he's just jealous. Oh, my God. Emma Reed on Twitter said, Tony Graffia referenced your podcast around 30 minutes in the WGMA writers panel. So if you guys didn't see this, this is up on our website. It's also in the uh, Outlander cast clan gathering on Facebook. I'll have it in the the show notes, too, for this episode. And Tony was speaking at this writers panel. And she actually talked about that 
um, scene that you were discussing, Blake, about how and most of you actually is delivering faith, how it's like him ripping the heart of Claire, like when he was talking about the execution, when right. he does the executioner job and how he rips the beating heart out, yep. that he was ripping out Claire's heart. And Tony actually talked about that. So really, really cool. And, and how she almost drove off the freeway for that. <laughs> and like, how cool is that? Not only is she listening to us, right? She's listening to our show, which is just freaking awesome. But she's listening to you guys, the listeners. Like, your opinions and your thoughts and your likes and dislikes, it's all heard because of this community that we, we as a collective, have created, whether it's the clan gathering or it's Outlander Cast, the podcast. We have all worked so hard to make this uh, one of the you know premier outlets for Outlander, and it's so great that the creators of the show are listening to you guys. Mm-hmm. How amazing is that? Pretty freaking cool. It's awesome. Kathy J. Price on Twitter says, Oi, with these World War II flashbacks, <laughs> I guess now we know why Claire drinks. Yeah, <laughs> Sassanac wasted. Christine Romeo says, A bit jealous of the King of Men. Is that why you're Team Frank Blank? Frank is jealous of the king too. Hmm. On Instagram, no, no, well, hold on. Let's let's not blow past okay, that. Okay. Let's not blow oh, past I was, that. I was just gonna give you a little breather. No, 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 no. I got an answer All to right. this. Listen, am I jealous of Jamie? Yeah, because the guy's perfect. Everything he does is just just right, and he's he's flowing red hair. The locks coming down to his shoulders, and he's built like he, like a, a rock. He's, guy hasn't eaten a cupcake in about three years. And I I stand. For all of the dumpy old married men out there whose wives would certainly leave him for a man like Jamie. Stop it. I would not. You are my Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. You you couldn't even say that with a straight face. You could... You know, I, I bet you you'd leave me for a guy like Jake Gyllenhaal. No, I wouldn't. No, no, no. Oh, you totally would. I don't even know what he does. He might smell shirts or something. <laughs> I don't know enough about him. <laughs> OQ SoCal says on Instagram, let me first say that I'm a huge book fan, but I also enjoy the show on its own. I'm not one to lament about the show being different. Here comes the big butt. Or not like the book. <laughs> With that said, <laughs> I do think they missed an important piece in the Lord John William Gray scene where Lord John William Gray, I'm just adding that because you just met him as William, Mm -hmm. uh, learns that Claire is Jamie's wife and Claire tends to his broken arm because this sets up a debt of sorts to Claire as well and also knowing about the Jamie-Claire relationship when they, these characters might meet later on. So um, I agree. I would have liked to see his face when he actually found out that this was all a trick and that Claire and Jamie were actually married just because I think his reaction would have been priceless. I would have liked to screenshot that, <laughs> but I think, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in the end. And, um, I, I did enjoy that. This scene was Claire's idea. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. I, I would like to have seen his reaction if he had found out Claire was married to Jamie as well. I think that would have been great, but I, I'm not a big fan of this whole being indebted to Claire thing. Because ultimately, I think what matters most is that now he is indebted to Jamie. And that the way that they have written it, the way that I think that it's going to go, you know, early outlandish theory of the week here is um, ultimately this William Gray will meet up with Jamie once again somehow, whether it's on the battlefield or it's on... I, wherever I, I don't know but somehow some way these two are going to interact again and somehow William Gray is going to be in charge of Jamie's life in in one manner or another 
And because he is specifically indebted to Jamie, it now makes that debt more organic. He's not looking at Jamie being like, oh, I, I, you know, Claire saved my life or he saved my arm. It's Jamie saved or Jamie allowed this guy to live. And now it's a direct connection between the two. Yep. And it's more organic. I, I like that a lot better than him being uh, indebted to Claire. And Tags once said, love listening to you both. You help immensely with my monotonous job. <laughs> well, we are certainly here to make you less productive <laughs> in any avenue of your life. <laughs> Primrose Proust says, overall loved this episode. Tears for Claire's past memory. Happy to see Murta and all back. Loved the music and the tender moment between Jamie and Claire when he says she will never be alone. We know what's coming, so that's what makes it sad. Mm. But Primrose Proust did have a problem with the William Gray scene. Oh, okay. It was such a pivotal moment in the books and sets up so many scenarios. I also don't know why they downplayed it. It was such a powerful scene in the book, and there was nudity. I'm not for the gratuitous kind, uh, but it was to get information from the boy. Has the show lost its nerve? The first season was groundbreaking in the scenes it portrayed, but there has not been the same intensity in this series. Mm. Are they going for a G rating? What I liked was that it was an adult show telling how it was in 1700s. I love the podcast, by the way. The Battle of Culloden wasn't lost because of different tactics, because different tactics weren't used. But actually, it seems by the lie of the land, the Scots were forced to follow the terrain to one side, right to the path of the English. If it had been on a level playing field, the results may have been different. So thank you so mm. much for that tidbit. See, different tactics wouldn't have even helped him. Well, I mean, hearts. also the fact that they that, that Lord Cumberland was sent back from France with a, a legitimate army, <laughs> and the, the king was like, I can't take these Scots anymore. I, mm-hmm. I, I think that is also a big deal. But, you know, to, sh- to say that the, the show has lost its nerve, I don't know, my love, do you co-sign on that? Here's the thing. Um, we really, really, really needed to focus on Claire's PTSD and to get this perspective with her this episode. That's what the writers thought was really important. That's mm-hmm. That was the part of Claire's story they wanted to share in this episode, that, that Jamie would be the hero and we'd get to see Claire going into yet another war, mm-hmm. another war with death and loss and fear. And I think that it would have been too much for Claire who has just you know still recently lost a baby um is still uh, Jamie was just sexually assaulted uh, you know in in recent history as well I think it would have been too much for him to have ripped her her dress off and and shown some nudity on her and for it to not to have been her idea Mm -hmm. um I think instead it needed to be Claire's idea because Jamie saw her as being so fragile in this episode, that he wouldn't have done that to her. Yep. And they did a good job acting, in my opinion. I, I, I loved when she need him. That was really good. I, You know, I'm not sure if they've lost their nerve. I think that they're... I think that they are playing it a tad more safe because, I mean, you know, what they did in the first season, that was pretty intense, especially in Wentworth and uh, you know, uh, To Ransom a Man's Soul. I mean, God, even like Blackjack holding a, a sword to Claire's nipple, like that is something that you, you don't see quite often on television, never mind movies. And because of that, you know, they took a lot of heat. And I'm not saying that, you know, Ron Moore, I, I would never think that someone like Ron Moore or Ira Stephen Bear or even Tony Graffia or Ann Kenny, any of the writers, I, 
I don't think that they're afraid, but I do think that they have to be a little bit more safe and, and focus more on the emotional aspect. I mean, you do have the rape scenes, but they're all clothed. And is that because they're trying to focus more on what's happening and not the shock value of it? I think so. Is that uh, is that something that is fair to say? I think so. I, I do. I, I don't need to see nudity right now. Yep. I think had I seen that nudity, I would have been mad at Jamie. Oh, I, I think I would have been too. So, and I would have focused on that rather than seeing this... As a, as a situation to make Lord John William Gray speak, but I can appreciate how, you know, how different it is. How sure. Primrose Br- does bring up that point. You know, they they had gone so far to show all this nudity in the past season. So why are things different? Yeah. Now? Why? What's the change? So I can I can appreciate that Primrose. Yep. Sandy Suen says her that her good was Bear's choice of Scottish music during the march and training was perfect. The bad was depicting Claire as a as cowering in a ditch it seemed out of character and the great was Jamie and Claire's exchanged looks during the scene with Grey they cracked me up and I loved Jamie's muttered gritted teeth when he said (laughs) the one thing that stands out to me about all this is uh, how she says that it's out of character for Claire to be in the ditch you know I'm not sure if that's true well I don't know how frequently Claire was in a situation like this, being mm-hmm. the fact that she was a nurse. She wasn't often straight up, like, <laughs> having bombs shot at her. And, right. uh, you know, she would have to be going and helping these people. But frequently, you know, nurses would go and tend to the people in kind of these little medical tents. And yeah, centers. behind the lines. Exactly. And and that's not to say that she was never in harm's way. I, I know that she must have been. But this was a terrifying experience and she definitely had a panic attack. She was in a fetal position saying these things to herself and yes, Claire's a strong, strong, strong individual but everyone has a breaking point. Sure, and I think a more accurate statement would have been it's out of character for Claire to say to a wounded young man, shut Shut up. up. Mm -hmm. Stop talking. Stop yelling. Mm -hmm. That is more out of character but that isn't something that she chose to do because that's what she felt like doing. She was having a panic attack. Yeah. You can't blame her for being on the front freaking line, being attacked, your Jeep blown up, you're you're hurled into this ditch. Uh, you just see a guy get killed as he tries to rescue his buddy. You already have this this emotional attachment to these two because you've been you've been with them uh, for these guys from the 101st Airborne. Well, you've been with them for a, a yeah, fair amount of time. Yeah, they're your friends. They appear to be your friends, and here they are, they're getting chopped up by the Germans. Oh, my God. So it's it's hard, it's hard to, to really I shit on it, Claire. Well, for, I guess if you haven't been put in that situation yourself, too. Like, neither of us have been on the front lines. Neither of us have been in that kind of a situation. Right. So, I don't know. I, I, I guess it's really hard. It's hard, especially because I haven't I would, gone through I, I, I would even argue the whole thing might be out of character. Because she's not supposed to be there. She's not supposed to be under attack like that. She is a nurse that stays behind the lines. And I'm, I'm sure that I'm, I'm sure that she has gone out to the front and, and helped guys. But for the most part, she stays in the tent and she helps out. She's not she's not a medic the way that the like saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Giovanni Rabisi. Yes. You know, he, Claire is not Giovanni Rabisi. <laughs> she is in a tent. You know what I mean? Allie Katie gives this episode 4.3 kilts. Okay. And just so we know, 
Allie is a non-reader. Okay. Okay. So her good is the little moments between Claire and Jamie, like him kissing her head or holding her face in his hands, the little kiss after he came back from the British camp. They all felt like very genuine touches. As much as we love to see their sexy scenes, these ones are just as important to the show and continuing the depth of their relationship, particularly after their recent suffering. Allie, yes, 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 yes. Bam! Just like that. A winner! Yes, yes, yes. That That is, that injects some sanity <laughs> to this conversation. Allie says there was very little of this in France, so I think it only furthers the comfort that they and the viewers feel at being home in Scotland. Oh my God, even better. You're getting better with each and every <laughs> sentence. Adding to that, the clear upshift in the music to very patriotic, traditional Scottish sounds was very distant and definitely reflective of the mood and the purpose of this episode. Allie's bad. Well, there was nothing particularly bad other than it feeling a little bit slow at times. And, of course, we probably needed that before the big buildup mm. to Culloden. Mm-hmm. And the great is Jamie King of Men shining as a true warrior and leader. I'm looking forward to seeing more of this. Sam does angry and passionate very well. <laughs> the scene trying to get the truth out of Grey was great, too. Very enjoyable interaction between the leads. Right. Very good. Well, it is time for the Tweet of the Week. Wow. All right. Let's do it. All right, my love, what do you got? This week's Tweet of the Week comes from Susan Farley and tweets, Those two soldier friends of Claire's stood no chance. The minute she sat down with them, they were goners. She said, hashtag log carriers, hashtag (laughs) red shirts. Okay, so log carriers... Is a reference to Lost. We have to go back, Kate. Red shirts. Is a a reference to Star Trek. And to make things even better, Susan Farley's username on Twitter is MuggleMom2. You're a wizard, Harry. Susan Farley (laughs) just talked about four different fandoms. Outlander, (laughs) Lost, Star Trek, and Harry Potter. All in one tweet. You may live in Tennessee, but you're our new best friend. (laughs) That's why you won this week's Tree of the Week. It's because you're just as a big a nerd as we are. Welcome to the clan. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So, well, I, congratulations yes. for winning the Tweet of the Week. As always, by winning the Tweet of the Week, uh, you get a $20 gift card to the Tag, tag Your it, it Etsy shop. Tag your mama. Tag your pet. Tag your it. Whatever it is. And uh, I will put you in touch uh, with Dawn, the owner. She is amazing. I, I will tell you, if I was not married, I think uh, that I would pursue Dawn because she is that amazing. Uh, she's a fantastic person, and she'll take care of every single one of your needs. So I'll set you guys up via Twitter, and uh, that'll be that. So congratulations for being Yay. this week's Tweet of the Week. Hello. Now, once again, this is normally where we have our voicemails. We're yes. going to have the voicemails in a separate episode just because we're on mobile. That being said, Blake... What are you pumped about for next episode? What are you looking forward to? Well, before we do this, actually, I have um, I have a bonus uh, outlandish theory. You ready for this? Yep, bring it on. All right, bonus outlandish theory here. Uh, you know, I was reasoning this out with Mary yesterday as we were driving, as a matter of fact, and I've got a feeling we're going to see Galus again. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because when she was in The Devil's Mark, she says, oh, we're going to a fucking barbecue. And she didn't say it like barbecue, but she said it with, she, it, it was almost as if her accent, her Scottish accent or whatever, 
like disappeared. And she referenced barbecue, which I think is an inherently American term. As such, we also know that she is from 1968. So with that said, we are already in America in the future. It's already 1954. And we know that Claire's daughter is getting older. And my outlandish theory about that was that this whole story for season one and two is Claire telling her daughter, an older version of her daughter, of Outlander. So it's easy to infer that we will get to 1968, I think, by the end of this season. And we will also see Galus in an American version of 1968 before she travels back. Oh, that's interesting. Which makes it even cooler because now we have that knowledge of Galus already knowing Claire when she sees Claire for the first time in Scotland. Like, remember when they met and she was sitting there, she gave this kind of little little look to mm-hmm. Claire, like, it was like this cutesy little look. It's because she already knows Claire. I'm just going to say interesting. I love you. I love you. Non-book reader husband. You know what? Mock me. Oh, my God. Please hang up and try again. Thanks, Charlie. Let, uh, uh, Ch- Charlie always agrees with me. And uh, I think that's that. I think I, I like that idea. Nice. Let's close out the show. All right. Let's do it. Thank you all so much for your patience with this delayed episode. And if the audio quality is any different, it's because we're in a hotel room in Mystic, Connecticut. So <laughs> once again, thank you so much. This has been quite, quite a week, and we are in the final stretch of Outlander. I know. How sad is that? I'm sad, and we're going to battle, man, so it's just going to keep getting sadder. I know. But we hey, can well, do this well, hey, together. Wait, what are you looking forward to for the next episode? Crying. <laughs> You're looking forward to no, crying? No, I'm not. I, <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to the episode, but I'm sad about this episode already. We're uh-huh. going to battle. We know that. Okay? Mm-hmm. Someone's got to die. Who do you think's going to die? Oh, uh, if I had to put a bet on it? Yeah. Oh, if I put a bet on it, I'm going to say either Rupert or Angus. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I, and I also, I'm also going to bet... Dougal. I'm going to bet a guy with a ponytail. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Oh, Cal Drogo is going to die. <laughs> all right, guys. Until next time, I'm Mary Larson. My name is Blake. And you've been listening to Outlander Cast. A bunch of nerds. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Losers podcasting on their vacation. Stop it. Sorry. M- maybe I'm just the loser. It's because you love me. I do. <laughs> I'm your Jamie. See, even you're laughing at that. (laughs) All right, bye, guys.